Funny Rabbit. Funny Rabbit. Funny Rabbit! Hello and welcome to episode two of the Funny Rabbit podcast. My name is Matt Hoss and I am your host for this episode. If you're wondering what, what exactly is Funny Rabbit, we are a comedy club based in Canterbury uh, at the Gulbenkian Theatre and we are an alternative monthly comedy club uh, who kind of brings out a lot of esoteric acts and very interesting things. And this podcast is a thing which supports that as well. It's to work in conjunction with it, to look behind the scenes of running a comedy club, getting exclusive interviews, and also some some material from our host and compere of the night, Dr. Oliver Double. The way that this podcast is going to work is that we are going to show you some, as I say, some interviews, some clips from Ollie and his thoughts of the night, and also some live clippings of what actually happened as well. Our first event was the 8th of February, and it it went down an absolute treat as well. Originally, on the lineup, we had Bobby Mayer booked a headline. However, uh, about a week before the show, uh, he... I had got the email to say that uh, Bobby wasn't able to do it anymore because of he had double booked himself, which as a promoter, it is quite stressful to deal with that in that situation. However, we were in good hands because I found a replacement quite quickly, and that was Otis Canaloni, a man who's been like a circuit legend for ages. He's he'd he's been do, going a very long time, and it, we were very much in safe hands, so to speak, and. As you are probably aware, we had a really amazing lineup on the 8th of February, which was Otis Kanaloni, Tin and Duyeb, Alf White, Lauren Carroll, and as I mentioned earlier, MC Oliver Double. And I think we're going to crack straight into this episode. What you're going to hear first is uh, you're going to hear a little bit of material from Ollie. It's going to be a song, uh, and he's going to give his thoughts and feelings about it. Then you'll hear the piece of material. I hope you enjoy it. Now, I did a song called Things You Like That I Don't Like, and the concept of this, I wrote it in 2012, the concept of the song is I, I'm playing to a, an audience of younger people. I'm a middle-aged man who just doesn't get the culture that they're into. So I ask them about things they like. They shout, yes, we like that. Uh, and then I take the piss out of them for liking it. And then I sing Things You Like That I Don't Like. And anyway, I had to update it because it was written six years ago or seven years ago. And, uh, you know, the original references in the song were things that students were into then. So it was things like Gangnam Style. And I knew that it was out of date. So uh, what I did was I, I thought about things that I could write it about that are much more to do with today's um, student age people. And I, I've just... We've got one clip of this, which is from the, I don't know, third verse. Pre-drinks. Or... Yeah. You all like free drinks. Shout out really loud right now if you've ever had free drinks. Yes! Now you're loud. <laughs> right, okay. Listen, I don't have a drink before I go for a drink, because that's a really weird tendency. <laughs> you call it free drinks. I call it alcohol dependency. <laughs> things you like that I don't like. 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 The reason that I wanted you to hear this is because there's an unexpected laugh 
uh, on on the line tendency i just didn't expect there to be a laugh and i was still a little bit puzzled because it sort of gets a yeah basically the the, the taking the piss bit is based on kind of comically clever rhymes i suppose you know finding a word setting up an unlikely word so that you can smash home with with a rhyme and I thought that the punchline to that verse was quite funny, uh, but weirdly, the setup line gets a bigger laugh. That bit really made me giggle as well. It was just a lovely gig from start to finish, really. And I, uh, and I think Ollie really brings out a lovely kind of uh, warmth in it uh, in this show as well. He has such a uh, engaging candor, and he really brings in that audience as well. Uh, so we had a lovely audience of about 65 people and it was uh, a treat from start to finish really uh, but beyond that um, Ollie is really good at what he does because he does things which are a little bit outside the box but also he is willing to take risks in a kind of unconventional manner uh, and what I mean by this is that he'll go all in on a joke, and which is something I love and something I do as a comedian now. In fact, I got all my compa stylings from Ollie as well. And you're probably wondering, what does that entail? Well, up next is more uh, more of Ollie's opinions and uh, a little bit of material about the Kent Bunny. So, the first Funny Rabbit took place on Friday the 8th of February... Uh, it was really interesting, actually. We got an audience of about 65, I think. Uh, it was mainly a non-student audience, which I hadn't expected because much of our publicity had been done on campus. And being a slightly older crowd, it had a particular nature to it. It was much less excitable uh, than a student crowd and much less of a home crowd because people just didn't know me um, as a student crowd would have done. Um, and what that meant was it really reminded me of the first night of a club I used to run in Sheffield called The Last Laugh, which is still there now, uh, which we set up in 1992. And the reason it reminded me of it was because the audience was basically nice. Uh, in fact, very nice, lovely, lovely audience, really friendly and warm and everything like that. But they were quite quiet. So, you know, getting a big laugh out of them was a big ask for all the acts that were on. But that said... I really had fun and I think one of the reasons I had fun was because I wasn't taking the job of comparing as a task, like a hard task to be done. I was taking it as my opportunity to go and try stuff out. So one of the things I tried out uh, was I basically, (laughs) I had this joke about the fact that it's called Funny Rabbit and the reason the club's called Funny Rabbit is because there's lots of rabbits on campus and for that same reason, the University of Kent has a, a mascot where they have like a costume which people can go around in this, in this, in this costume. And the, and the mascot is called the Kent Bunny, right? And and my joke was uh, based on the fact that a, f- a number of years ago they had to reinforce the um, the uh, foundations of the library. And anyway, the joke you'll hear the joke in the clip. Uh, but my my idea for the opening episode was that we get the Kent Bunny along, which had been agreed back in November. And the Kent Bunny would get either kind of storm out in fury when when it heard my joke at its own expense, or attack me on stage, right? Um, depending on what the person in the costume was up for. So that was the plan. The problem is about two days before the show, the Kent Bunny emailed to say, "No, we can't do that." Uh, so we, I had to change the plan. So what I did was I made a really crappy mask. That I, of the funny rabbit uh, mascot head 
um, which I printed out on thin card. And I picked somebody out from the front row and, well, you'll hear, I get him to attack me instead. Now, what you'll hear uh, is is the sound of a comedy routine that is really not thought through at all. My idea was just to do something where I, I didn't know how it was going to end up. But in fact, I do warn the audience that there isn't a punchline. That's for real, because I knew there wasn't a punchline. In a way, I'm trying to manipulate the audience and by sort of setting their expectation low. But actually what happened was, uh, you, you can't see it because it's an audio clip, but the guy fell over on the way onto the stage, which was brilliant because that was funny straight off. Then I made him do it again, then he attacked me. And what you can hear is, is um, uh, because the um, digital recorder was on the same table as my wife, you can hear her getting quite upset when I'm setting this bit up because she knows that I broke my hip four years ago and it's probably a bit dangerous to get a member of the audience to tackle me to the ground. Having said that, I sort of feel like the bit worked, so worth it. Now, the reason that we're called Funny Rabbit is the same reason why the Kent University has got the Kent Buddy as its mascot, right? The reason is because we were trying to think of something that all students would know, right? And we think of things, things that students liked. And the only thing, genuinely, the only thing we could think of was Weatherspoons, right? And we couldn't call it the Weatherspoons Comedy Night because that would be very confusing and trademark infringement, right? So what we did was we thought we'd call it Funny Rabbit. And, and, uh, but the thing is, the reason, the reason that students like rabbits because there's lots of rabbits on campus, right? Not quite so many at the moment, but there's so many rabbits on campus that this is genuinely true. 10 to 12 years ago, I think it was, the university had to spend probably about £10,000 do major structural work on the foundations of the library, underneath the library, because there were so many rabbits burrowing underneath that it was in danger of sinking into the ground. That's true. So think about it. So the animal that Kent University chose as its official mascot is an animal that literally undermines knowledge. Right. That's quite a funny joke, right? To be fair. And what I thought would be even funnier is that the Ken Buddy was sat at the front when I told it and then attacked me and wrestled me to the ground. <laughs> but the Ken Buddy fucking let me down. Right? So I thought, just to... Let's not try and spoil the fun. Uh, I've got a mask here. I thought that you could help me. Okay. I've got a mask. and It's not quite as good as the Ken Buddy, but in a way better. If you put this on, and I'll say the joke again... Yeah. And I'd like you to wrestle me to the ground. Just don't feel you've got to, like, hold back. You can really go for it, OK? There is, there is no punchline to this. It's just slapstick, OK? Actually, stand up and let people see, because that is pretty awesome. That is, that's pretty good, OK. Okay, so, the University of Kent chose as official mascot an animal that literally undermines knowledge. (laughs) 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 Should we try that again? To me, it looked like you actually think. You're supposed to attack me and not harm yourself. Okay, let's try again. Again. Actually, by the way, the laugh you did for the second time was amazing. So, uh, and a creature that literally undermines knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that was... I have to say, 
say, considering how much that genuinely hurt, I expect some more laughter, but fuck it. Let's have a massive round of applause. So with Funny Rabbit, we, we kind of set up this podcast as a means to do some like interviews on the side as well, and we managed to get a quick interview with Tien and Duya, and you'll hear much more about Tien here, and we can't really show the the apps material, we can show Ollie's material because that's the whole nature of this podcast, but uh, we, we can't really show the apps material because firstly we don't own it, and uh, it's also quite rude because if someone shares your material without you sharing it, firstly, we're, we're stealing that material, but also they are reliant on their material to bring in their money. So it's uh, be slightly unethical to do so. But um, And that's not something we, want, we wanted to do anyway. However, we did want to interview a couple of the ex, and we managed to get an interview with Tiernan. And here's just a short little uh, excerpt from that interview, which is an absolute treat. So Tiernan, uh, we're just about to do the very first Funny Rabbit at the Gulbenkian in Canterbury, and uh, is it the first time you've ever played a first night of a comedy club? Oh, uh, that's a really good question. It might be. I'm trying to think if I've ever done a first night before. I mean, it's definitely the first time I've ever played the first night of what is going to be an excellent comedy club. <laughs> Brilliant. But you used to run a comedy club. I did. Oh, yeah, that's true. I played the first one of that one as well. And that was called? That was called Fat Tuesday, yeah, which I ran for six years. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah, it was great fun. It was it was really good. Um, I think we had such amazing people come down and do spots at it, all the way from sort of Simon Amstel and Stephen Merchant. The last ever one was Sarah Millican, which was great. Um, but it was also running a club is so much work. <laughs> yeah. I think I don't miss that bit of it. I miss the hosting, but that's it. So it's actually quite fun to come along to the first night of a club that you've not had to put on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I just get to stand on stage and, and shout at people about my own stuff, which I like. That's good. Can I just ask you one more question? So mm. the um, the uh, podcasting thing, you have this brilliant podcast, uh, Party Political Broadcast. How does that intersect with your stand-up? Uh, it's sort of... Well, I started... One of the reasons I started the podcast is because I was writing lots of political gags and I'd do them on stage and then within two days they'd go out of date because the world is so volatile. <laughs> and so, moment. yeah. So I find that by doing the podcast I can get them off my chest and not have to shout them in the park at random people. <laughs> um, and then that in turn, I sort of can work out the ones that stick a bit longer and then use them in my stand-up. So it, the stand-up feeds the podcast and the podcast feeds the stand-up. It's a really weird thing. At the same time, as you I've got loads of notes on my hand it's because I write so much when it comes to like uh, the politics stuff it is so turnover I have to occasionally write bits behind because I can't remember what the the one from two weeks ago (laughs) (laughs) so you know you you write this stuff and then some of it has got more sort of staying power kind of thing but does it so has it improved your turnover then of material Uh, vastly but I think that's good and bad because um it's 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 really good in terms of so these gigs that I've been doing I, I sort of mentioned to you before we've got this about supporting Frankie Boyle yeah. and his audiences are very political savvy because yeah. um, of his Guardian columns and his TV show and so I can go on stage and I can write stuff I've done that day and they will get it um, other audiences are I'd say about a week behind or two weeks behind sometimes and you need broader material so what I'm finding is I am trying to mix my sets up and my material up so that I've got some that's punchier newer stuff and and political and some that's lengthier stuff that's about my own life and about say my daughter and about you know whatever else um and so it's good and bad it's, it's hard like things like I, i'm probably not doing an edinburgh show this year uh, but if i was structuring an hour that would survive a month it's hard 
because there's a thing you know there's this old I can't forget who said this but uh, history repeats itself first as tragedy then as farce we're in the farce 80s at the moment yeah <laughs> the farce 80s well do you know what I mean you know, you know yeah. because we had a right wing conservative female prime minister first of all a terrifying one and then a kind of laughably terrifying one yeah and then we had we had a, a somebody from show business a very right wing uh, crazy kind of republican uh, uh, president of the USA, Reagan, who admittedly had been a professional politician before, like Trump, but came, you know, had been in bedside of Bond Zone, you know, yeah, yeah. monkey movies and things. And uh, I can't remember the other things now, there's a few more. Uh, oh, yeah, left wing Labour Party. Uh, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. But actually, that's probably not so farcical. That's probably less farcical than Mike, Michael Foote, probably. Yeah, it's, it's the less um, surprising bit of it. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I think, but the, the weirdest oh. thing is, is on, and I feel awful saying this, but they were showing, I think it was like an Andrew Marr documentary on the other night, and they were showing a clip of Margaret Thatcher, and I said to Larry, I said, I couldn't stand that woman, and yet I'm enjoying her talking far more now than Theresa May, yeah. like, just because she could talk to camera without looking like she was going to cry or fall over. <laughs> and, and it was weird to go, even these people, I know that at least they had conviction yeah, or an yeah. ability to talk convincingly or you believe they believed what they believed you know it's 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 so stupid but then that makes comedy interesting because you can just repeat what these people say and that's funny yeah that's lazy but you so you have to find a way to dig into it dig into it and i think also what i aim to do whether i manage it or not is i want to make it understandable for people i don't understand it all and i have to break it down for me so if i break it down for me and i'm breaking it down for other people so i think that's the kind of and I think you have the charm of the autodidact, uh, right? You know, because it's obvious that you've gone out and taught yourself a lot of this stuff about politics, like that you that you yeah, dug I, into it yourself. That I, did, I did drama here, Ollie. I didn't do politics. Yeah, so I, I didn't have a clue. Yeah, I <laughs> I you weren't that interested in politics at the time. I wasn't. No, and I, I think I started to be around the time of the Iraq War. Yeah, March. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I definitely became more political later. And in fact, I, I huge credit to Josie Long and Mark Thomas, really, who it was seeing Mark Thomas do. Uh, his, as used on the famous Nelson Mandela and yeah. I think I was starting to get more political anyway and being more interested in it and I knew people were starting to be affected by things but then that was in 2008 so before I to government and it blew me away and made me laugh and go god this is so brilliant and I've learned things and I just wanted to do that yeah, and then awesome. 2010 gave me a reason to do it as yeah, well yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Right, okay I've got stuff to talk yeah. about so. so then I'm going to let you crack on because we've started the show in 20 I'm excited minutes. thanks for having me well, thank you very much for coming Funny rabbit. Just to kind of uh, wrap things up, we uh, we also have uh, a final bit of Ollie's thoughts about the night, and he did a, a section called Modern Shite. Now I've got this idea for I, w- I want there to be lots of regular features in in the club, and um, so what what um, what what I did was I, I put it out on social media that I was wanted to review some aspects of Modern Shite that I'd never seen before and then and so people suggested things that I could review and the strong favourite was RuPaul's Drag Race now that was a bit of a problem because I hadn't seen RuPaul's Drag Race before and I knew that that was a bit of a minefield because gender politics and sexual politics at the moment are really the kind of things that get people very angry indeed without necessarily thinking about what's being said and I really don't want to have a pop at drag queens because you know they're quite interested i mean you know I've, we've got uh, former students who who is very successful drag queens that kind of thing it, you know it, it's cool it's not my thing but it's a cool phenomenon but you know i'm a straight white man of 53 years old you know I, I, anything i say is probably wrong um 
So what I tried to do was write a ranty review uh, which didn't get the politics wrong. And I probably failed in that. And, in, in, you know, anybody who listens to this who's offended, bear in mind, I knew I was walking through a minefield. My idea really is to say what I genuinely disliked about the programme, which is nothing to do with the kind of gay culture aspects of it at all. Um, and I think what my plan was to make myself as ridiculous as possible. You know, in, in other words the anger that's being shown about the awfulness of RuPaul's Drag Race is partly the joke, it's at my expense, as you'll hear from the punchline. Uh, just to say, it, it, it's not a stand-up routine, really. It's an essay that I wrote, like a, like a, a, a bit of like ranty polemic, in a way. Um, and it doesn't really have the rhythms of stand-up. I mean, you know, I, there aren't that many big laughs for, for the fact that it's five minutes but I sort of feel people enjoyed it anyway because it's like you recalibrate your expectations knowing it's a piece of writing that somebody's reading out. I hope that as I get better at it, I'll, I'll have more gags in there and uh, the laughs will get more frequent. But who knows, maybe, I'll, it, maybe it won't, it'll continue to work on this level and I'll keep it or maybe it'll continue to work on this level and I'll go, no, this isn't worth doing and I'll drop it from the show. But at the moment, I'm definitely going to do it next time because the next show, the audience voted for me to review Love Island, which I've yet to do. I recognise that as a 53-year-old straight white man, I'm not in the core demographic for RuPaul's Drag Race. So why the fuck did my Facebook friends vote overwhelmingly for me to watch it? For the record... I believe that some of the greatest works of art ever made were created by LGBT plus people and reflect LGBT plus experience. The poems of Sappho, Shakespeare's sonnet number 20, ever fallen in love with someone you shouldn't have fallen in love with by the buzzcocks. <laughs> Having watched season 10 episode one in its entirety, I can say with a degree of certainty that RuPaul's Drag Race is not going to be added to that list anytime soon. The title, RuPaul's Drag Race, is so misleading that it should be prosecuted under the Trades Description Act of 1968. Fully two-thirds of it are inaccurate. Firstly, RuPaul him slash herself is only in it for about five minutes of screen time. Secondly, the show plainly doesn't involve any form of race. I was bitterly disappointed by that because seeing the drag queens trying to run the 100 metres with those heels would be a lot of fun. That said, the drag bit is absolutely correct because five minutes in, it's really starting to fucking drag. Or tucking drag, as RuPaul would probably say. The first 20 minutes of the show is entirely made up of a series of drag queens flouncing on one by one and saying things to each other genuinely like... I follow you so hard on Instagram, girl. <laughs> or, sometimes the universe knows better, mayhem. Their most impressive life skill is being able to go... <laughs> They're also loud and desperately attention-seeking. At least once every five seconds, one of them goes... <laughs> it's like being surrounded by drama students. <laughs> and I get enough of that at work. The set and the outfits are also aggressively garish and brightly coloured. It's like having a 140-gram pouch of M&Ms jammed into your eyes. <laughs> After 20 minutes, RuPaul makes her first appearance on a giant TV, looming over the queens 
like a Klingon appearing on the view screen of the Star Trek Enterprise, except with more fabulous hair. She talks for a little bit, making as little sense as anything else in this fucking shit show, and then immediately afterwards appears in person in her male guise. Why? Just fucking why? To be fair, the 58-year-old RuPaul is amazing looking, as a man and as a woman. He's also kind of cool and charming, but it's such a lazy performance. He trots out lines like, congratulations, ladies, as if even he is bored by it. But that doesn't stop him saying it several times in the same fucking episode. When they get to the judging bit, it's entirely fucking random. Why did they say this one's fabulous and this one's hideous? I have absolutely no fucking idea. They're all exactly the same. They're supposed to be impersonating women, but why is the only category of women they impersonate Kardashian? Why doesn't a single one of them want to imitate, say, Mary Beard? I would have enjoyed this show so much more if just one of them had come out in a crumpled skirt and a grey cardigan with a cat hair down the front and a hanky up the sleeve and started giving us a lecture about ancient literature. Seriously, how are they judging them? Unlike universities, they don't have to publish their assessment criteria in advance. <laughs> one of the judges, camp and expensively dressed, tells one of the queens that her costume made him gag because he loves it so much. That's a weird way of putting it. Why would this man think something pleasurable would make him gag? Oh wait, I get it now. Okay, fair enough. The whole show... Catch up, people, catch up. The whole show... I love the way that joke went. That's made this whole thing... Tonight is worthwhile from that reaction. The whole show is like a fever dream of a seven-year-old girl who's passed out after scoffing too many ice gems and quaffing too much strawberry tango at a birthday party at the Disney store. Congratulations, ladies. The last 61 minutes of television has made a 53-year-old man weep and mildly aroused. <laughs> something I don't quite fundamentally agree with. I, I love RuPaul's Drag Race and it's the best show ever. Um, <laughs> but also, I, um, I can't wait for Ollie to try vaping as well. Uh, it's going to be great. But if you have any suggestions, why don't you get in touch with us as well? You can find us on the Funny Rabbit fan page. Just search for it on the Facebook thing. Join the group and you hear all, all the gossip and whatnot from the shows on there. Also, um, you can find us on Twitter at FunnyRabbitCC. Uh, and yeah, you send us a tweet about the night or if you want to get in contact or uh, want us to do something special for you guys, let us know. We'll love to hear from you. Uh, but beyond that, we are, uh, our next show is 8th of March uh, and it's a really, really uh, special lineup as well. So without kind of blowing our own trumpet here, we, um, we have a live at the Apollo Star plus someone from BBC Sherlock as well. So you guys are in for a treat. So here's the lineup. And uh, as I say, I book these shows and it's, uh, I kind of put a lot of my heart and soul into this because uh, basically I I think I've got the best lineups in the world. Uh, and yeah, so we have Tanya Lee Davis, who is um, a really um, amazing act. She's, uh, she's Canadian uh, and she, uh, she talks a lot about her disability during her, a club act as well, which is quite hard to do, but she does it in such a effortless and such an engaging manner as well. And she is, uh, I've worked with her quite a few times and she's, I don't think I've ever seen a, 
uh, not smash a room. So do come down to see that. Uh, we also have Wendy Wayson, uh, who is an act I've I'm so excited to book because uh, I'm a big fan of uh, of hers. I've been a big fan for a while. In fact, I listened to her Comedians Comedian podcast episode about a couple of years ago, and I think it changed the way I do comedy as well. It really opened up my eyes. So uh, uh, from a personal note, I'm going to be fangirling at the back of the room on that night. On top of that, we have Carrie Ann Redneck, Pia Sharp, Annalise Sansom. And it's going to be an absolutely amazing day. I think it's actually on International Women's Day. So come down. Let's, let's celebrate it in the best way possible. Uh, and obviously we have uh, Ollie comparing again. Um, you know, uh, so I, I, I think tickets are only £5 if you're a student, £7 if you're not a student. Uh, so that, that's on the 8th of, 8th of March. So do get your tickets from the Goldbankian website. Failing that, uh, if you can't make it to this one, don't worry, why don't you come along to a future one? We also have, um, on the 12th of April, we've got Vicky Stone and Jack Glado. On 10th of May, we've got Beck Hill and George Rigdon. And on the 30th of May, little Matt Hoss, uh, this guy, he's doing a preview at the Girl Banking with Jenny Collier. So if you want to see me do uh, a work in progress show on my new show called Here Comes Your Man, come and check it out. Uh, oh, again, uh, thank, you for, uh, thank you for listening to the podcast, and we hope to see you soon. Catch you guys later. Bye. Funny Rabbit. Funny Rabbit.